Good morning. Good morning to all you uh, guys. Uh, welcome and I uh, hope you're doing well. I hope everything's good. And uh, family's healthy and everybody's uh, strong. Relying on the Lord. Just uh, living our lives to honor the King and to honor the Christ because he's coming back one day and we want to all be ready. That's the goal that we're ready. We're talking about I Love My Church. This is the series we've been in, and we love our church for a lot of different reasons. We've been talking about a lot of them, and it's Christmas time, so it's Christmas time in the city. And uh, as we move into the next couple weeks, I want to share with you a very special messages about why we love the church, why I can love my church. Okay, that's what I like to do over the next couple weeks want to focus on uh, there's two very important key events in the life of Jesus and in the life of the world the whole universe and uh, for the next two weeks I want to key in on one of those events obviously the the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ is the greatest event that has ever happened on the planet but with without the birth of Jesus there's no resurrection of Jesus and so the birth of Christ and then everything that happened after that has got to be uh, the, the one of the most critical events for us as mankind on this planet. And so um, I want to share with you the one key event, which is the birth of Jesus, the birth of Christ. His coming gives us the church. Because Jesus came from heaven and came to this earth, we now have the church that we can now be a part of the body of Christ and, and be in that so that we can love the church. We, without the birth of Jesus, there's no church to love. Jesus is the church. And when we come into Christ, we come into the church, we are coming into Jesus. And uh, we love the church because the church is Jesus. And there, there's so much involving uh, the birth of Christ. There, there's so many things that are involved in his birth. From the beginning of time up until the birth, there is thousands of years of, of events and uh, God's work that led to the moment of his birth from the prophets to the prophecies all the way to his arrival. Thousands of years of God at work orchestrating people and specific times and, and key places using uh, evil and using good for his purposes, all kind of leading into the coming of the Messiah. You know, scholars say there's approximately 300, 300 prophecies in the Old Testament concerning the coming Messiah. Not just his birth, but his life and his death. Who, what, where, when, why, all of it talked about. 300 pieces of prophecy that point to Jesus. See, the good news is that the king is coming. That, that was the good news of the day back in ancient times. That one day God would send his Messiah and he would be the king of Israel. He would be the king of mankind once again. For many years, through many people and lots of events, God prepared the world. And the prophets of old proclaimed 
that the Messiah would come. Just think about that. Hundreds of years, generations of people. From the beginning of time, God said that the Messiah would come. And so I'd like to share with you today three of what I think are the biggest prophetic movements of God surrounding the coming of the Christ. The prophecies all spoke, the prophets all spoke about the birth of Jesus. The first prophetic movement of God that I want to share with you today concerning and surrounding the birth of Christ is this. Number one, the who, the who, the who. And the Isaiah prophet, the Isaiah the prophet lived 700 years before Jesus steps on the planet. And Isaiah the prophet, in, in regards to who would be involved in the coming of that, that event, said this in Isaiah chapter 7, verse 14, Therefore, the Lord himself will give you a sign 700 years before this ever happened. Think about how long that is ago. We talk about, you know, my parents. That's one generation away. We talk about their parents. It's my grand grandparents. That's two generations away. Their grandparents, that's three. Their grandparents, grandparents, grandparents. 700 years. This is more than seven generations before. Isaiah says, Therefore the Lord himself will give you a sign. A virgin will conceive and give birth to a son and will call him Emmanuel, which means God with us. Right? That's what it means. In Isaiah chapter 9, Isaiah wrote, For to us, a child is born, to us a son is given, and the government will be on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. Of the greatness of his government and peace, there will be no end. The who involves a couple people when it comes to the who of the prophecy of the fulfilling of the coming of the Christ. Two people. First is a virgin. A virgin. God would use a virgin. Back in the day when they proclaimed that a virgin would be with child, it didn't say who it would be. But hundreds of years before Mary ever stepped on the planet, her parents ever stepped on the planet, her grandparents, grandparents, grandparents ever stepped on the planet, God said through the prophet Isaiah that a virgin, a virgin would give birth to a son and call him Emmanuel sometime in the distant future. A virgin is a woman who has never been with a man. And so this is truly a supernatural event. God himself would be the father of the child and Mary, Mary the virgin that we now know it was Mary, would be the earthly mother of the child. Heavenly father and earthly mother. This is supernatural in every way. It's why Jesus would be called the Son of God and he would be called the Son of Man. Fully God, fully man. But probably the, the most, definitely the most important person in the event when it comes to the who is the child, the child himself, this, this little child. This baby, like when you, if you've had a baby recently or you held a baby, you're a grandparent, you've held that little bitty baby, that infant, helpless, innocent, freshly made 
in the womb by God, knit together, so dependent on whoever's holding that child, that innocent baby is the who in the story, that God would send a baby, a child born of a virgin, and we know her name is Mary, she probably was still a teenager at the time when she had this baby. And the child born on the earth to, to the virgin would be the savior of the world. That's who the who is. Who came the first time as an infant child, the, the Messiah of the world, Jesus. Think about it, 700 years before it ever happened. 700. You know, I can't remember really what happened yesterday. If you asked me what, what happened, what'd you do yesterday? I'd probably have to think real hard about it. You would too. Let's see, yesterday, what did I do? You know, and if I ask somebody, uh, can you tell me with certainty what's going to happen tomorrow, just 24 hours from now? We could all take a guess on some of the things that happen all the time, but we have no idea with certainty what is going to happen tomorrow. And yet 700 years before and 300 prophecies concerning the beauty of the Christmas story is that God did exactly what God said he would do. And Luke, in his gospel, records the actual event for us in the Bible, in the New Testament, like this. How will this be, Mary asked the angel, since I am a virgin? She's talking to an angel. There's no lying to the angel. If you're not a virgin, you're in trouble. You're busted. Mary is a virgin, very much. The angel answered, the Holy Spirit will come on you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. And so the Holy One to be born will be called the Son of God. This is beautiful. This is miraculous. This is hugely prophetic the fulfilling of what isaiah said 700 years earlier see long before the messiah was birthed onto this planet the prophet the prophets spoke or wrote about the who the who the coming king would be secondly is the where when it comes to uh, big movements of God surrounding the birth of Christ, God tells us the where. Now, this is huge as well. Through the prophet Micah, the prophet Micah, who lived almost 700 years before Jesus steps on the planet again, like Isaiah, God revealed the exact location of the birth of the coming king. Again, I can't tell you where I'll be tomorrow or what's going to happen tomorrow. But 700 years before Jesus was born, God told all of the world where it would take place. It's why the Magi were able to know when they read from the prophets and the, and the literature, they knew that the child was to be born in Bethlehem. See, he reveals the, la the exact location, not, and not just some continent. It's not like he says he's going to be born over there in Europe somewhere, or he's going to be born somewhere like in a big city. Like he's, he, he reveals the exact location, like the, that little bitty town of Bethlehem, tiny little town of Bethlehem. 
not just a continent, not just a region, not just a city or a, an area, but the exact town of Bethlehem is recorded in the Old Testament 700 years before it happened. Trisha and I have four kids, four children. We were married back in 1982. This is 2022. That is 40 years ago. We have four kids. We were living in Colorado. And if you would have asked us, where are your children going to be born? Or where do you think they're going to be born? I would have had to laugh. I would have had no clue. At the time, we were living in Colorado, and so I would have probably said Colorado. One of our children was born in Colorado. One of our kids was born in Arkansas. Never saw that coming. And two of our kids were born in Oklahoma. At that time, I would have never said Arkansas. I would have never said Oklahoma. Never. Lots of other places I might have said, but definitely not those. But close to 700 years before Jesus comes, steps foot on the earth, the prophet Micah said these words. But you, O Bethlehem, Ephrathah, who are too little to be among the clans of Judah, so small of a town, from you shall come forth for me the one who is to be ruler of Israel, whose origin is from of old, from ancient days. Hundreds of years before Jesus, the prophet Micah speaks and proclaims this prophecy about the coming Messiah, the town of Bethlehem, a, a small little town just below Jerusalem, about a six-mile jaunt from Jerusalem to Bethlehem, the birthplace of that God picked for Jesus the King to be born. An ancient city known as the city of David, where King David of the Old Testament was born. David's father, Jesse, lived in Bethlehem, and that's where David, King David, was born. Bethlehem is King David's stomping grounds. It's where he lived, where he grew up. Rachel of the Old Testament is buried in Bethlehem and Ruth, we all know Ruth, she gleaned the fields around Bethlehem. Bethlehem, where David was anointed king of Israel by Samuel. Bethlehem, such a rich connection to the kingship of not only Israel, God's, uh, Israel's kings, but the, the, the very Christ child as king. And not at all by accident. God's plan, his unfolding plan, happening exactly the way he said it would hundreds of years before, orchestrating every event in person into place. Bethlehem is known as the city of meat or the city of bread. It's also known for, get this, raising lambs, sheep, little lambs, for the purpose of sacrifice, Jewish sacrifices at the temple. How incredible is that thought? Bethlehem was the town where lambs were raised because 
It had so much area around it. It was such a fertile, fertile place. It was known by its fertility. Such a beautiful place to grow crops and raise animals. And they raised lambs for the slaughter. Jesus is born in a town that raised lambs for the slaughter. That's incredible. The, the term Ephrathah is an ancient title for the city of Bethlehem in the time of Jacob. And it means fertile. Ephrathah. Fertile. From you will come, from you, O Bethlehem, will come a seed like no other seed. Fertile Bethlehem will be very fruitful. Justin Martyr, an old scholar back in the day, said, For those who doubt that Jesus was born in Bethlehem, you can go to Bethlehem today and see where he was born. It's a cave. It's a cave where Jesus was born, according to Justin Martyr. Others have wrote about it being a cave as well. Many people. When we see a structure, we think of the structure, or we picture the structure, we see a picture of the structure. It's always some, a, a little barn out back. Justin Martyr and others say it was a cave. Sometimes we see a picture of the manger seen in a cave like this. Maybe we should think of it more like that. The space was a cave. No room for them in the inn, but I've got a little shelter in the rocks out back. You can go hang out there. It's out of the weather if you want. Can you think about that? Just think about that. The, the Messiah. The coming Messiah. He's not born in a big city where everyone could come and, and make a big hoopla about it. He's born in a little bitty town outside of Jerusalem, six miles, and not even in a, a, a clean, neat inn, but in a, in, a, in a cave in the backyard. Humble, the Messiah comes to you and to me. You know, we may not be certain on the structure of where the manger was, but there is no doubt about the place where Jesus was born. The town of Bethlehem, the city of David. See, the beauty of the Christmas story is this. God did exactly what God said he would do. And the, and the, and the gospel writer Luke writes it like this. So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth, where they were, they were living in Nazareth, and they travel all the way from Nazareth to Judea to Bethlehem to the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. And while they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped in, him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. Long before the Messiah was birthed onto this planet, the prophets, hundreds of years before, wrote about the where. They wrote about who? They wrote about where? 
And finally, the third thing that I wanna share, the third major prophecy that I consider major about the coming Messiah is the great escape. The great escape. Hosea, the prophet, said Mary and Joseph would be on the run, that they would have to remove themselves from the area because of the, the lurking danger coming their way, that as a baby, Jesus would face great danger from an evil king. And so Hosea the prophet, in regards to the escape, wrote these words. When Israel was a child, I called, I loved him, and out of Egypt, I called my son. This little bitty prophecy, hundreds of years before he ever came to the planet Jesus, Hosea writes about Jesus coming out of Egypt, being delivered out of Egypt. A prophecy of God's only son coming up out of Egypt. A, a, a direct tie to Israel coming out of Egypt in the days of Moses headed for the promised land. Both Moses and Jesus would find themselves in Egypt and needing to be delivered out of Egypt. Both needing to return home for Moses and the children of Israel to the promised land, the whole area where Jesus now lives, and Jesus to his hometown where he would grow up. In, in Moses' time, it was an evil ruler by the name of Pharaoh. In Jesus' time, it was an evil ruler by the name of Herod. He was ruthless, he was murderous, and he was godless. When it comes to the birth time of Christ, I hope you can see this good. This is a chart put together uh, about the timeline of Jesus's, the events of his birth. Just check it out from left to right. We've got Mary and Joseph in Nazareth and the angels appear to them and tell them about the birth of this child. And Joseph is told about that he will, uh, he can, it's okay for him to marry uh, Mary and for them to be a couple. The census is declared by Caesar Augustus that everyone should go back to their hometown at this very time when Mary is now pregnant and they have to report in so they can have a census of how many people are in the area. So Mary and Joseph, they take the trip all the way from Nazareth down to, to uh, Bethlehem. And while they're in Bethlehem, Jesus is born, the birth of Jesus. Shepherds are in the field that night and they come. The angels appear to the shepherds. And the shepherds come and they see this baby. Jesus, on the eighth day then, is uh, circumcised, and on the 40th day, he is dedicated in the temple, and then Mary and Joseph return home to Galilee. They go home. Later, well, I'm sorry, let me, let me back up a little bit. On the birth of Jesus, there's a star in the sky, and the uh, magi, the magi see this star in the sky, and they begin to make preparation to go. They're in the West. They're going to make preps to go to the East to see what this star is about. They're hundreds of miles away from where Jesus is born. And so that happens at the birth of Jesus when they see the star over the place where Jesus is born. Then the shepherds come. Mary and Joseph return back home and they spend what looks like the next year and a half, up to two years, raising their little child from an infant to a little child, one-year-old, one-and-a-half-year-old, close to two years old. 
Later, when he's almost two years old, the Magi finally arrive to visit this child, but they go to Herod and they talk to Herod and Herod asks them to tell them when exactly they saw the star. And so they tell Herod, it was such so long ago that we saw the star in the east and now we have come. And that calculation adds up to almost two years old. We're going to see that here in a minute. They also, with Herod, quote from the passage we read about today from the prophet Micah, that Bethlehem, this child, would be born and he would be king. And so the Magi then seek out the Messiah. And a star, a star again is over the place where Jesus is at age one and a half, maybe two years old. And they go and they visit Jesus and they give him with uh, gifts and, and they present him with all kinds of treasures. And instead of going back to Herod to tell him where the child is, because Herod told him to come back and tell me where that child is so he can go worship him too. Really, what he wanted to do was kill him. They go back a different route and they head back west to where they came from. And so the angel then appears to Joseph and warns Joseph that he's got to get out of town. And so they make their escape and they go to Egypt where it's safe. Well, King Herod is furious. He is ticked off and he decides he's going to kill all the male children two years and younger, which gives us our timeline of when about the Magi came to Herod which is about when they came to visit Jesus. Two years later, they're not at the manger scene. They're at the house in Nazareth where Mary and Joseph are raising now their child. Just a little detail that we should be particular about, or not. So they go home, Herod's fears, he kills all the babies. Shortly after that, Herod dies and Joseph and Mary are now, they come back to Nazareth where they raise their child and the last 12 years, what we learn about is this. Well, until Jesus is 12, it's that every year they went to the temple, they celebrated the Passover with Jesus. And then when he was 12 years old, this time of like coming out, this bar mitzvah time, when a boy becomes kind of a man or he steps into manhood, he knows he's been learning the, the Old Testament law. He's been learning the prophets. He knows the scripture. He now, Jesus at age 12, we read about this in the Bible, they go to Jerusalem for the temple, the Passover feast, and the, the whole clan of people are headed back up north to Galilee, and Jesus is missing. And for three days, they look for Jesus, and then they find Jesus, and we all know he is in the temple, and he's listening to the, the teachers of the law and the scribes. He's asking them questions. He is full of wisdom and knowledge, and he is a smart kid. And that's all we know about the boyhood of Jesus. The next time we see Jesus, he's getting baptized by John the Baptist. And so Matthew, about the great escape, Matthew says it like this, when they had gone, an angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. Get up. He said, take the child and his mother and escape to Egypt. Stay there until I tell you, for Herod is going to search for the child to kill him. So he got up, he took the child and his mother during the night, and they left for Egypt, where he stayed until the death of Herod. And so was fulfilled what the Lord had said through the prophet. Out of Egypt I called my son. Hosea's prophecy, hundreds of years earlier, fulfilled in the life of this one person named Jesus. 
baby Jesus. Long before the Messiah was birthed on the planet, the prophets spoke about the where, the great escape, and the who. 300 prophecies concerning the coming Messiah, hundreds of years before it ever happened, about his birth, the time of his birth, the manner of his birth, his betrayal, the manner of his death, people's reaction, pierced by his side, burial, all kinds of prophecies concerning the coming Messiah, all fulfilled in this one person, Jesus. You know, the odds of one person fulfilling even eight of the prophecies, eight of the 300, one person fulfilling all eight is incredible. In his book, Science Speaks, about a man by the name of Stephen Stoner says this, the probability, the probability is equal to one and one in 17 zeros. You know what that is? That's not millions. That's not billions. That's not trillions. That's not even quadrillions. That is quintillions. One and 17 zeros is 100 quintillions. Quintillions, quintillions, I can't even say it, quintillions. Whoever, can you count to 100 quintillion? I can't, I don't even know where to begin. Here's, here's what he says, Stephen goes on to say, the stoner goes on to say, look, if you fill the state of Texas with 100 quintillion silver dollars, it would fill the state of Texas, which is the biggest state, well, the second biggest state in the United States, the first biggest state, Alaska. Second biggest state, Texas. Huge. 268,000 miles, square miles. It's huge. Ever traveled from the top, uh, from the states above, through Texas, all the way to Mexico, go on a mission trip? It seems like forever. It's long. I thought Oklahoma was long. Texas is long. But you filled that two feet deep with silver coins. He says, these are the odds. 100, and, 100, 100 quintillion coins would fill the state two feet deep. You mark one of those coins and you mix it up in the whole state. It could be anywhere. Two feet deep, buried. You blindfold the person and you set them loose in the state of Texas and their job is to walk around as long as they want and when they're ready, they can bend down and pick up one coin. The odds of that person picking up the coin that is marked are one in 100 quintillion. That's the odds of one person coming and fulfilling just eight of the prophecies. And yet Jesus fulfilled all 300 of the prophecies. This is incredible. Only the Messiah could pull this off. Only God could orchestrate such a miracle of events and people and places and timing. You see, from the ancient of days, that's what the number looks like. From the ancient of days, the prophets proclaimed that the King is coming. And Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah of the world, arrived. For God so loved the world that he gave his only son, his only son, that whoever believes in him would not perish, but have everlasting life. Only in Jesus the King. In a world of chaos and darkness, the good news for all of creation, even today, is this not only did the king come but the king is coming back he is coming 
back. And if you will place your faith and trust in Jesus, if you will repent of your sins and turn to God, be immersed into Christ, be baptized into Jesus as an adult, as a person who understands that you have offended God and that you need his forgiveness, then you too can have eternal life. What a great gift we have this year to remember that Jesus is the king and he is coming back. I hope and pray that every one of us and all of our family and our friends will truly, truly be ready. God bless you guys and we'll see you on Christmas Sunday next week.